Right, lads, how we're both doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, good things, mate. Yeah, everyone, thanks for it. Cool, cool. Well, we'll introduce ourselves to the listeners, shall we? My name's James Copley from the Sunderland Echo. The first voice you heard there was Graham Atkinson of the always fantastic Wise Men Say podcast. And we're also joined by Dave Lawrence, who I've mentioned before on the Raw podcast. Seems to be everywhere at the moment. You find him on What the Folk and a few other Sunderland-based podcasts. We're just going to have a bit of a, a chat about the, the transfer window, lads. Graham, we'll go to you on your on your Raw podcast debut. In terms of deadline day, it was one of the more exciting deadline days for Sunderland, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah, I enjoyed just sort of keeping an eye out for, for the comings and goings. Um, I think for me, you can sort of split the, 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 the club's transfer window into two parts almost and, and, and judge them separately. Um, I think the first part is the, you know, the the philosophy or the the plan, the approach that the club took in terms of its targets. And I think for me that that seems um, very, very much more coherent, clear, thought through in terms of its approach. Certainly, what than what we've seen in the past. It, it seems like we've obviously done most of our shopping in, in category one academies, looking at the players from those elite clubs. Um, I think it, we needed to reduce the age of the of, of the squad, and I think we've done that. I think we're down to twenty four point seven or, or whatever it is from recently. I think it was up to twenty nine. So I think you know we brought in Pacey, dynamic uh, lads, comfortable with the ball. Um, I think most of them have been knocking on the door of, of match day Premier League squads. They've all got that international experience at their age group hungry for first team football um, so I think that that's the sort of first part if you like and the second part is the actual players that that we brought in that you know derived from that approach if you like and and I think the probably the jury's still out a little bit we've only had sort of five or six games or whatever so I think that given the fact that they're getting their, that experience with us we, we can't really draw upon on too much from from what's gone before, because as I say, that the playing playing with us, getting that experience, um, the, the jury's out to a degree. And Dave, uh, Graham mentioned there, sort of the transfer window being split into two parts in terms of philosophy and whatnot. But I suppose as well, you can sort of split it into two parts. There was before the Wigan game where I think we had Pritchard who wasn't fit, Doyle and Evans off the top of my head. And then after the Wigan game, it really seemed to take a take a step up a notch, didn't it? Sunderland's transfer activity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's this whole theory of being a bit more calculated, a bit more data driven, so on, so forth. So yeah, hey, if, if they've had, it's the best way to be, isn't it? We've had years of kind of leaks and 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 major leaks, and kind of it it hinders our business half the time. I think. So this time, it's been up until realistically the 11th hour when the deal's been pretty much concluded. I think everything's been kept quite well under wraps, realistically, um, which, you know, if, if that means that we get our business done at a, a reasonable price instead of being ripped off, so to speak, and if it means that it gets done a bit more professionally, then I'm all for it personally. Yeah, and, and Graham, you mentioned sort of, you know, Sunderland shopping in a few different markets this season. There's the the category academy market. There was the the free agent market with Pritchard and, and Evans. But there there seems to be another market which is developed, which is the foreign market, which we saw on deadline day with Hoffman and Diaku. 
in terms of, you know, Stuart Harvey, the head of recruitment, Christian Speakman, the sporting director, you know, Lee Johnson himself, Kira Louis-Dreyfus, that's hugely exciting to me as a Sutherland fan. How are you seeing it? Yeah, I mean, it is it is exciting. I think, again, it, there's, a, there's a, I suppose, a bit of a question mark. It's that cautious optimism. Um, you know, if you take Hoffman, for example, um, there's a lot of it. Seemingly, he's got a good pedigree. There's a lot of expectation on him. I think reports are that he's 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 looking to be number one. Um, is that expectation based on the club that he signed for from rather rather than the the team he's been playing in? You know, Bayern Munich two, um, third tier German football. Uh, so he's got a lot of experience. But I think we've just got to sort of caveat that the expectation with you know the reality is he's he's been playing third third tier football so but but that's not to say that he's not going to come in and do really well that's not to say that he's not going to come in and and be that maybe sweeper keeper that I think personally we we probably need um it's just uh yeah the, the question mark will, uh, for me is still out in terms of is he going to hit the ground running yeah, absolutely right, Graham. And I suppose, Dave, you do have to reserve judgment until you see them play in the flesh, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I suppose the the good thing about it sitting here is we've actually turned in some decent performances this season already. So there, I don't think there's a great expectation that they have to come through the door and perform immediately. But I also think it gives people like good kick up the backside that there's someone there who's kind of going to push him on a little bit and kind of say, listen, if you're, if you're not performing the way that you were in the first game, then we can always take you out and put you back in. Yeah, absolutely. And Graham, we're mentioning Hoffman there and just on the goalkeeping situation, Sunderland have been quite clear that they want to develop Anthony Patterson and there's Lee Burge as well there. So there's a real sort of competition for places. Burge's place is certainly not guaranteed with the competition uh, from Patterson and now you have a third element coming into that. So that's that's a pretty positive thing for Sunderland to have, isn't it? I think so. I, I think longer term, are the three of them going to be, you know, I, I noticed Josh Hawks has gone out on loan today, so um, will Patterson follow uh, in the next few days? Or, or if, who knows? I think there's, there's obviously a few cup games still um, to consider, I think short term it may be a case of Johnson just getting a look at how Hoffman performs, how the three of them kind of stack up against each other. Um, maybe Priest will, will offer his thoughts and then take it from there. And if, if one of them goes out on loan, um, you know, or one might be away in January, um, yeah, we'll see. And Dave Gray mentioned there, Josh Hawks went out on loan to. Tranmere Rovers today uh, goes into the squad to face his old club Hartlepool in League Two. It's probably a smart decision by Sunderland, given that Hawks did well in the under twenty threes. He's done all right for Sunderland in the cups, but he'd never really had a, a sustained run in the EFL. He's played a lot of National League football and youth team football, but this for Hawks should, in theory, be a decent move. Yeah, natural progression, isn't it? I think Christian Speakman came out and said, kind of, you know, he's done it regularly for the under-23s now. He's now got to go and play adult football, senior football, sorry, and prove it week in, week out, kind of. You know, I've no doubt there'll be people there watching him, if if not, you know, every other week, kind of once a, once a month. 
And yeah, let's hope it's a, an Embleton style type of deal, you know, comes back, strengthens himself up. Because that's all it is. I think me and Graham had a bit of a, an exchange on Twitter a couple of days ago. And we're just talking about it's the same with these kids from, from Bayern Munich too. For me, it will be, I've no doubt they will have a level of technical ability. You know, we, we had a discussion of whether whether German grassroots and English grass, grassroots are, are far apart. Um, and kind of, it'll be, it'll be physicality. As with all these players, it's just simply them bulking out a little bit, getting on with it and, and kind of proving they can do it week in, week out instead of once every four games, you know, which is what will help Sunderland eventually. And another deadline day departure was Jack Diamond, Graham. He headed out on loan to Harrogate Town, also in League Two. So him and Hawks will be playing in League Two next season. With the signing of Dayak, it was probably a, a smart one to let Diamond go, wasn't it? I think so. I think, you know, he's again, there's a question whether or not we could have used him in the Cups. But I think strategically, longer term, that loan is going to benefit him and therefore us so I think rather than maybe the short term approach of well let's just keep him in the camp and see how he performs in the cups um, see if he can develop in, in the squad there's, there's nothing going to replace that that experience of, of playing week in week out which you assume he's going to do for, for, for Harrogate I mean it, with Hawks as well you just wonder what kind of football try me a play so it's not just about I, I assume this is what happened with Embleton. I assume it's not just a case of sending these lads out on loan to get that experience in any old side. It's about hopefully trying to send them out on loan to, to a club which have a similar philosophy or similar style um, approach on the pitch so that they can just then, you know, incrementally kind of work that way back up the leagues, if you like, in terms of performance, style and so on. So they just slot straight back in, hopefully seamlessly. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose this this handling, Dave, of um, of younger players, of under twenty three players, of fringe players as well, in terms of utilising the the loan market. What Graham mentioned there about the philosophy of the teams we're sending these players to, that's a a stark departure from what we've seen over the years and how we've seen Sunderland handle the general squad. I'm first off that springs to mind is Barley Mumba. That's very different now, isn't it? It almost sounds like a clear, cohesive concise plan doesn't it it's what well, I mean, what's going on I can't you know not, not not accustomed to this but hey I could quite easily get accustomed to it you know and and uh, I think I've been banging the drum for probably since we came down to league one if if this is the level that we remain for a while we have to buy players or bring through players who are going to turn us a profit because you know the match day revenue and stuff, it's all very good, but operational costs of a club of our size is absolutely huge. So, you know, yes, okay, if we do lose the next Barley Mumba, if we do lose whoever, let's make sure we get 2.5 million for them instead of 25,000 or whatever the ridiculous jokes of money are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Sort of have one last um, nibble at the... uh... The transfer deadline day and Sunderland's general performance in the transfer market, Milkard for all it's worth. Aidan O'Brien, um, Benji Kimpyoga as well, had late loan moves to Doncaster Rovers and Hartlepool United respectively fall through. 
Um, Graham, where do you see? Or two very different questions, I suppose, for for two very different players. But where do you see, or how do you see them impacting on Sunderland season? O'Brien first, and then Kim Bioga. I think O'Brien, for me, a uh, little surprised to hear that he was 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 due to, to leave. Um, you'd hope that someone would have been lined up uh, if that was the case. I think if Stewart, um, you know, God forbid, gets injured. You're relying on him, presumably, as as one of the senior, the senior folks to sort of step up. Um, I know he played um, on the left, didn't he, um, in the cup, um, performed well, but he's probably reliable in that sense of you know you're going to get a shift. Um, he's going to put himself around. I know that hadn't necessarily been banging them in, but but um, the Blackpool game kind of showed showed what he's capable of. Um, so I think. You'd like to think that he's he's going to be knocking on the door um, and certainly capable of of knocking a few in, if not necessarily replicating the same style of of, of player of Stewart. Um, Kim Bjorka seems seems a, a good distance away, doesn't he? Really, I think another loan. Um, you just wonder whether or not he's capable of stepping up. Um, I think his temperament. Needs a bit of work as well from from what you hear in terms. You know, there's been a few um, sticky situations in the middle of games, or he's you know having a go at supporters or whatever. Um, I mean, what you like to see players committed, but um, yeah, he probably needs a little bit of work on that. Yeah, that was the big surprise with the move um, from Hartlepool United to sign Kim Yoga because. Kim um, Hartlepool played Torquay in the National League playoff final, and after the game, which Hartlepool won in pretty dramatic circumstances. I think Kim Bioka playing for Torquay had a bit of a, a set to with a, a couple of Pools fans. So it was a, a strange one. And he's had a couple of red cards as well for the under-23s. Dave, what do you make of Kim Bioka? For, for me, he's, he's somebody I've watched play quite a few times now. And I think he's he's got something, but I'm not sure if that's something is good enough for, for League One or the Championship, to be honest. Yeah, should we should we say should we say Enigma maybe <laughs> bit, a bit of a one of those, but yeah, he kind of I tell you who he reminds me of without being anywhere near as good by the way. But remember a player called Paolo Wanchop at Man City years ago. He reminds me a bit. He's a bit. Graham might remember him. You know, we're, we're probably a little bit older than you, James. But, sure, uh, you <laughs> but he, he was. He almost looked more like a freestyle swimmer than a footballer, but he just somehow <laughs> managed to get in the right place and, and do something a little bit special once every 10 games or something. So, yeah, he's he's one of, to be honest, I was banging his drum a little bit probably two and a half seasons ago because you could see that we were desperate for a bit of pace and a little bit of unpredictability, I guess. Now that we're sorted, I think Kim York is probably, well, he is, isn't he? If he nearly went to Hartlepool on Lord, he is way, way, way down the pecking order and probably not close to it. And I think at the time when we maybe thought we could utilise him, I think he'd probably find that his contract's run down this time and he'd be gone, I think. Yeah, that's the thing you, you mentioned there with, with Kim Bjorker. It's two and a half seasons ago or, you know, that this sort of stuff was happening and he hasn't really progressed. Although you could level that at the club, to be honest, as as much as Kim Bjorker probably. Um, so transfer 
stuff done and dusted. Graham, what have you made just generally of, of Sunderland's season so far? I know we're a international break of the weekend. The game against Sheffield Wednesday was postponed, so it's probably a good time to reflect. I mean, barring the, the loss to Burton, which was a very different loss for me, because usually when Sunderland lose in League One, there's sort of an inquest, but the social media reaction to that Burton loss was quite positive because Sunderland played quite well. So overall, it's been a, a decent start to the season without getting too far far ahead of ourselves because we know how we can change in League One. I've been impressed. I think um, the 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 style of player is, you know, like we mentioned at the top, dynamic, it's pacey, we're, we're breaking through the lines quickly. Um, it, it feels like Johnson's you know, had that kind of work in progress. You could see elements of some of this starting from from last season. Um, we've been trying to play a higher line, which is, I think, is is what we what we need to do. You know, we dominate a lot of possession uh, in League One, as as, as you'd expect, maybe. Um, so let's take advantage of that. Uh, let's let's get a, a keeper who's you know, for example, if this Hoffman does take this box, but he's kind of trained to play it out from the back. By, by all accounts, he's, he's good with his feet. So, um, like sweeper keeper type of role, we can keep pushing up. We can get the the forward players um, up the pitch a lot a lot more often. Keep them kind of working the the the, the opposition. So it's been it's been pleasant to watch. Um, you know, we can't always say that when we've been watching parking ball. Um, you go further back, couldn't you as well? So just just to see us play a, an attractive style of football and do well and you know get those results and as you see at Burton, um, it, it seemed a bit of a, a fluke on their part. I know that they had spells in the game, but we did everything but score. Um, so I can't I can't really have too many complaints. Really, I mean it is early days and it's about sustaining that now, isn't it? And, and making sure that we're were there or thereabouts at the end of the season as well. Absolutely. I feel like this um, this style of football that Lee Johnson's been able to implement, I feel like that's coming directly from the top as well in terms of the structure and the stability and the long-term thinking at the top of the club now is sort of allowing Johnson to operate in this way, long-term thinking and bringing Embleton in and using the young players like Dan Neal. I almost feel... Like these are the decisions Jack Ross might have liked to make if he wasn't sort of operating under a cloud of get Sunderland promoted at all costs, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I suppose there's potential for it, isn't it? I mean, I just like the fact that we're young and hungry and dynamic. You know, I'm 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 impressed by that and kind of you know the recruitment in the first instance was with Jack Ross wasn't. Perfect in my eyes wasn't perfect. We we started signing too many players that have been there and wore the t-shirt, therefore they must do it again, you know. And I don't necessarily think that's the right approach, which I'm sure Ipswich are finding out of their detriment at the minute. You know, 18 new players, I think they've got. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I mean it's gonna take a couple of months to gel them in, but I don't think the type of player they've got on paper is necessarily conducive with success at this level, personally. Um, I'd much rather a squad of what we got and, and I think we said a couple of weeks ago it's going to happen isn't it there's going to be games where we get beat this season nobody can expect and if people do expect us to go 46 games unbeaten 
I think they're they're foolish, you know, for the level of football, any level of football, but this level of football particularly, especially when teams are going to park the bus, you know, you've got to break them down. But yeah, Jack Ross, pro- probably, yeah, I think there was an element of bad luck with Jack Ross, but I, I do think Johnson's probably got just a little bit more about him at the moment. Time, time will tell, of course. But uh, yeah, I think he's probably just doing it at the championship before and kind of finding out solutions in the championship against, let's be honest, squads and teams which are a lot better than what we've got at this level is probably going to stand them in good stead just about. Yeah, for sure. And and Graham, a word on Dan Neal as well, because he's somebody who I've really, really, really enjoyed watching as just his progress as general play. He feels like what we've been crying out for for a long time in the middle, somebody who can carry the ball, somebody who's got a bit of pace about them, a bit of vision. That's rare at League One level, isn't it? It's It's been a pleasure to watch him play. Um, he's, he seems like he's he should be one of the first names in the team sheet. From, personally, I didn't really have any sort of expectations around him. I hadn't really seen a lot of him. So... Um, the fact that he's come in and took his chance and, and took it really well. Uh, credit to the lad. I think, you know, the, the the pass that he made in the in the Blackpool game for the for one of the goals was just... I remember thinking, who else in the team could make a pass like that? And and I, I couldn't think of it. And then I thought, well, the McGeady in the, in the, in the Pizza Cup final, you know, the, the, the ball to Gooch was... Uh, McGeady's better, but, you know, it's that sort of... There's not many players have the the vision and then the ability to execute the pass. It's, it's all you know very well having the vision, but if you haven't got the ability, um, so yeah, the, for me it should be in midfield. It should be um, it should be him and and probably Evans. I would say um, or O'Neill. So it's 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 him and then Amula. And, and Dave, for me as well, it's taken his exploits on the pitch out of the equation. For me, what I've loved is how much he seems to love it, how how much he seems to love playing for Sunderland. As a, as a fan growing up watching the club, he sort of comes across like how we might, if we ever got the opportunity, if we were ever, if we were ever good enough, mind, to play for Sunderland. That's how buzzing we would be about it, especially if we were doing well. It's There's got to be a lot said for it, hasn't it? I mean, the three of us sit here and can only imagine pulling on a Sunderland shirt and what it would be like. I mean, even if it was a club that attracted 5,000 fans a week, you would still, if you've been brought up in the area the way that we have and and brought up with a, it's it's so easy to say that it's a religion and it, but it is, it's a way of life, isn't it? It's a release for a lot of people, you know. Luckily, we've, we've all got jobs we've all got kind of aspirations and and ambitions and stuff but there is a lot of people who go to Sunderland who the only thing that they have in life sometimes because they're so close to a breadline or whatever is the football and yeah can you imagine being brought up through that your 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 parents your grandparents your great-grandparents and then pulling on the shirt and and no matter what level it's at league one championship and then the chance to develop through, you know, he must be thinking to himself, this is this is a bit of a dream. And it's it stands you in good stead, I think. I mean, look at look at Pickford and Henderson, the way that their careers have gone. And you can you can see it. They're Sunderland lads through and through. They're they're grounded, 
they're they're humble they know exactly what they've got they're not taking it for granted um so yeah fair play to the kid fair play to any of them that come through and and kind of and do it and and stick to it Pat, patson as well i, I hope it, it continues but exactly what graham said i think i think dan neil has to be the main one in there one because of his age two because of his ability so he can be a, a mainstay there for a while and thirdly, he is the one who will see something that isn't there for anybody else. You know, Lugo 9, I, I said it on uh, on What the Fuck the other day, kind of, I lambasted 9 a couple of weeks ago because I thought he was terrible, but just simply because I don't think he has the technique of a very good footballer. Um, dedication, passion, nice bloke, fitness, all there, but kind of not the most technically gifted footballer. Whereas on um, against Wickham, he got the ball, and there was a couple of times you saw it. If you if you took a step back, you 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 watched him, and he wanted to play that twenty five yard crossfield ball, and he stopped himself, and he played it five yards to Dan Neil, and it made him look so much better. So I think if there's an Evans or an O nine in there with kind of um, with Dan Neil, yeah, I, I think it's more mobility. I think it's more creativity. I'm all for it, you know, and I, I'm exactly the same as Graham. I hadn't seen much of him before, but uh, from what I've seen in these first couple of games, even a fullback, he was seeing passes that nobody else saw. And uh, yeah, that's exciting as a football fan. If we're going to try and break lines and play forward quickly, then yeah, so be it. Absolutely. Dave, you said that we've all got jobs for now, but um, I might be sacked one day when you uh, say something wrong on this podcast. You never know. Um, <laughs> Graham, we'll, uh, we'll fly into the end of the podcast. One thing I, I wanted to touch on, Obviously, Will Grigg went out on Lutter rather than that signals an end to his Sunderland career because his, his deal is up in the summer. But we mentioned Ross Stewart and obviously Dan Neal's run and pass into him at the Wickham, the Wickham game and his finish was excellent. Are we a little concerned about what happens if that big man up front gets injured? I am, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I, you know, I mentioned O'Brien and he seems that they're the, probably the... The, the next on the on down on the list if something was to go awry. Um, you know, you've got you got Bonehead and um after that, you know, Josh Hawks you would have you would have assumed would have stepped up, but obviously as we've said, he's gone out on loan. Um I think there's this players capable of playing there. It's just whether or not they can have the the impact Stuart has had and you know it's it's unlikely that they would I think the other thing to see is probably the other lads that we've got in this squad are probably a slightly different profile as well. You know, I mean, Stewart's got the lot, hasn't he? He's got the height. So if you wanted to, if you want to just stick it in, um, you know, he's he can stick it on his head. He's got that. He's got the the wake factor in that in that regard, if you like. Um, but he's also clearly much more than that. And the others, I think, have if they play to their strengths, they've got their own unique abilities, but. But you know, Jebison, I think was it linked um, yeah. from Sheffield United, probably one that I thought might have replicated Stewart's kind of profile in that in, in that sense. But um, yeah, that, that didn't come through. And uh, finally, on on Ross Stewart, what what are your thoughts? Similar to Graham's, I would I would imagine. Definitely, yeah. I keep keep repeating myself where I feel guilty, like disliking a thirty-one goal striker, but. <laughs> 
I just I don't miss him. I don't miss the fact that he scored a couple of go- well more than a couple. I'm doing him an injustice. That's that's terrible of me. Um, I yeah, just Ross Stewart for me. But I again echo the echo the thoughts of kind of it's going to be interesting to see the solution that Johnson comes up with if and it's a big if and hopefully doesn't happen if Stewart gets injured because the mobility he brings the you can see the passion when he puts the ball in the back of the net. He just he's loving it, isn't he? And you know, no disrespect to the likes of Ross County, but coming from Ross County to come and play at Sunderland, I'd imagine it's a big move for him, big step up, chance to progress his career. Sorry, um, yeah, long long may it continue. I've had I've had a kind of bet, friendly bet with a couple, Michael Bowers, um, that he would get at least twenty two goals this season. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes from there. 22 is an interesting number <laughs> for me I think the, the greatest compliment I know it's early days in, in League One but coming out of the transfer window the, the greatest compliment you can sort of pay Johnson and Dan Neil and Ross Stewart um, and a few others as well is that Sunderland are no longer the Aidan McGeady show he's sort of you know he's sort of not on the periphery because he's a very talented player but it's no longer about getting the ball to Aidan McGeady and he might do something for Wyke or put it on a plate. So I think that's hugely promising. Well, lads, I really enjoyed that chat. That was really good. Uh, Graham, thank you for coming on. Pleasure to have you. Cheers, man. I hope hopefully see you back again. And uh, you can check out the Wise Men Say uh, podcast and content over on the Twitter uh, channels and Facebook, I think they're on as well. Dave, you're, you just seem to be everywhere on social media at the moment. You know, me love love a chat, love a love a bit of a, a silly opinion every now and again. But I might, um, I might christen you on the next podcast, uh, Sunderland AFC Twitter's rent a gob. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon, I reckon I'd fit in well with the face of that. <laughs> well, yeah, we will, um, we will link to uh, Dave and Graham's Twitter Twitter handles on the Sunderland Echo title account, so you can. Uh, Follow them if you like what you've if you like what they've said. If you don't like what they've said, probably best not to follow them because you'll end up in a Twitter argument. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for joining. You can also, I should say, really, or I'll get in trouble. Is there? You can subscribe to the Sunderland Echo. There's uh, plenty of content over there. Deadline day player interviews and all your match day content and all of that good stuff. But uh, for now, I've been James Copley, and this has been the Raw Podcast. Thank you for listening.